Well, good morning, church. How's everybody today? What a beautiful Sunday here in December, right? Did you make it in nice and dry? So thankful that you're here to worship with us here in the room today. If you're watching online, thanks for tuning in as well. It's an honor to be able to come and stand on this stage and be able to open up the scriptures together, uh, certainly during this season, to be able to talk about uh, the birth of Jesus and the hope of Jesus. Can you believe we're one, way, one week away from Christmas? Does that blow anybody else's mind or is it just me? I was like, slow down. My wife and I were just talking yesterday, like this, this truly is the most wonderful time of year and it feels like it's going so fast. And every year it seems faster. And so I know we have been given such a gift today to be able to slow our hearts and lives down just enough to be able to turn our attention to Christ once again so that we can fully embrace his birth and his celebration next weekend when we come together again for Christmas Eve. It's gonna be a really, really great time. Um, it's a good practice for us to do from time to time. In fact, it's the whole point of Advent is to, for four weeks, have a moment where we slow down our lives and focus on the hope, love, joy, and peace that has come to us through Jesus Christ. And I know that during this, this next week, there'll be a lot of hustle and bustle, a lot of things happening, and too often Jesus gets lost in the mix of all the parties and the parades and the presents. And so it's good for us today to slow down and to remind ourselves what we are here for and why we celebrate during this season. If you are here last week, Pastor Michael did a wonderful job of sharing with us about the transformative power of the incarnation of Christ. The incarnation of Christ, when Jesus pulled on skin and came and walked among us and was a human, and God came to earth, he came to be with us, to forgive us of sin, to heal us from brokenness, and to save us from ourselves. And if you were here last week, to, as Pastor Michael said, to rescue us from something we couldn't rescue ourselves from. And the presence of God in our midst is a gift worth celebrating. And today it's, worth, it's a gift worth celebrating. Someone asked me this week, what's your favorite gift you ever received? Like when you think back on it, what's, your, what's your, the greatest gift you were ever given during the Christmas season? And I know that probably in this room, most of us, when we think back on a gift that was maybe our greatest or made the biggest impression upon us, maybe uh, all of us goes back to sometime when we were young. Like this one gift, for whatever reason, this one thing, I always remember it, remember it, I think about it often. And for me, I was in sixth grade. So I wanna paint a picture for sixth grade Trevor really quickly, um, just so you understand kind of the situation here. So it, as a sixth grade kid, I was what you might call like a reptile dork. Um, I was way into reptiles. I had lizards and turtles and because I'm super cool like that. So I, as a kid, had all kinds of different animals. It was like kind of a big deal. And in sixth grade, I had a lizard. Megan's shaking her head. Thank you, Megan. So um, when I was in sixth grade, I had a lizard who was an iguana, and his name was Zeke. Okay, so he's like my prized possession, and he was kind of big. And at Christmas time, my dad, in, in, in sixth grade, my dad said, you cannot go into the garage for the next few weeks. You have to stay out of the garage. So, of course, I was intrigued but I was obedient. So I did not enter the garage for the weeks leading up to Christmas. But every time I passed by the door, I was like, I wonder what's behind there. Like, why can't I go in there? Like, what am I waiting on on Christmas day? And so weeks went by and finally uh, Christmas day came and we were opening gifts and there was a gift under the tree and I tore into the wrapping paper and I opened the box. And on the inside of the box, there was a note and it said, go to your room. I was like, done. So I ran to my room and there was a box in there and I opened that box, there was another note, go to this room. It took me all over the house until finally I came to one box and I opened it up and the note on the inside of that box said, go to the garage. I was like, don't mind if I do. I've been waiting for this for weeks. So I ran to the garage and I flung open the door and when I opened the door, my dad for weeks had been building a six foot iguana cage for my iguana Zeke. And I was, I was so excited. 
And that excitement was only dampered a bit because my dad forgot to measure the doorway into my room, so he couldn't actually get it into my room through the door. So we had to go through the window and finagle it in. It was kind of a, a whole other story. But still to this day, the greatest gift I've ever been given. It's the one that I think back to often, the way that I felt, the excitement that I have. And I would imagine if you were to think back to the gift that you've been given that's made an impression upon you that you think about often, it's probably for the same reasons that that one made an impression upon me. See, I would argue that the greatest gifts are the ones that are given with a specific interest of the receiver in mind. The greatest gifts are the ones that were like, I know this person, the things they like, the things they desire, the things they need, and this gift is gonna be perfect for that. Those are the greatest gifts. Because what I've experienced, I actually like uh, giving gifts more than I like receiving gifts. It's, it's, it's something I just love to do. And the reason is because I love thinking about like, what would be a good one? for this person in this season. There's a difference between wrapping up something that you chose just because you had to buy something, right? And then wrapping up something that you know this is a perfect fit for the person who's gonna receive it. When we step back during this Christmas season and take a look once again at the biblical story of Christmas, the narrative of Christ's birth that we're given within the Gospels, we see that the arrival of Jesus was and is the greatest gift that we've ever been given. His arrival is the greatest gift that's, been ever, that's ever been given to us. And it's better than any iguana cage, trust me. It's better than any jewelry or gift cards or, or better than any cold, hard cash. It is the best gift that we could ever receive. And the reason is because it is a reflection of God knowing exactly what we needed. God knowing exactly what was our greatest need by sending Jesus Christ, our most important interest, our greatest need in mind. That's what makes him the greatest gift. As author, speaker, and pastor Max Licato says so perfectly about the birth of Christ, he said, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. And if our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. And if our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. And so God sent us a savior. It was on the nose for what we needed most. And God knew that. You see, we read in the Gospel of Matthew the story of this birth of Jesus. We find out this gift that was offered to us in Christ was actually a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Things that have been written about and talked about hundreds of years before Jesus ever showed up on the scene. It's the reason that we celebrate during this holiday season. During this Christmas season is because of what was fulfilled through the birth of Christ. So here's what it says in Matthew chapter one, verse 22 through 23. It's a bit of a recap of the story of Christ. It says this, all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The question is, all of what? All of what took place? And it's the story that we all know, right? It's the angels and the, the, the inn that had no room and the manger and the three, the, the wise men. I mean, the whole story of Jesus, all of this, according to verse 22, took place to fulfill what had been spoken of by the prophets. Verse 23, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. His name will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, this name that is given to Jesus is full of deep significance. And the prophets who wrote about this hundreds of years before, they knew that one day someone would come who would rescue God's people. He would be called the Christ, the Messiah. And in verse 23, he would be known as Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
See, to the Jewish people, this meant that there was a hope that God had not left them to navigate their broken world on their own. That God didn't set the world into motion and step back and leave us to our own devices. That's not what God did. But rather, out of love for his creation, for you and for me, God decided to come close, to walk with us, to serve us, to heal us, and ultimately to die for us. And so here's the best news of all. This Jesus, who is Emmanuel, was not just God to them then and back in the Gospels, but he is God to us today. He is with us today as well. So maybe some of you this morning, as you came in on this beautiful Sunday, you know, braving all of this rain, maybe you just need to hear this one thing first and foremost, that you are not alone today. The gift of Christ means that God is with you. He's present with you in your shame. He's present with you in your pain. You're not alone in your hopelessness or your discouragement, your disappointment. You're not alone in your brokenness or your loneliness. My prayer would be every time you see this nativity scene during this Christmas season and the baby Jesus in the cradle, you would know that he is Emmanuel. He is God with us, who walks with us each and every day. You see, the Christmas season, when it's celebrated right, when it's done right, is a reminder that we are not alone in the world that we're not alone in the world. God is with us and his power, his presence has the power to transform us. My wife and I have started realizing the power of presence, the power of influence in the past couple of years. We have a daughter who's four years old named Murray and she is the sweetest sometimes. And we've realized that as we've taken Murray to certain situations, let's say, you know, dinner out somewhere or we're shopping in a store somewhere or even here at the church sometimes, uh, our daughter, every once in a while, will do something that will just make us shake our heads. There's nothing else you can do. And she'll do something like, you know, give out a little bathroom humor or rough house a bit or, you know, burp in front of everyone. And my wife's first words out of her mouth are always the same. Murray, that is not very ladylike. And the, the second words out of my wife's mouth are always the same as well. But she does live at home with two boys. You know, it's kind of an excuse for whatever takes place. But it's true. I mean, as much as my wife and I try, and we do, I promise, the influence of living at home with the two brothers that she has, their sheer presence within their life, it is influenced and it has shaped the lovely young lady that we have in our home today. So I apologize. If you run into Murray this Christmas, blame her brothers. But there's influence there. There's proximity and presence there, and it has a way of shaping and molding and changing. And the same is true for us when it comes to this gift of Jesus Christ. God's presence with us. When we receive the birth of Jesus into our hearts, when he comes to dwell within our lives, there's a profound influence that should take place within our lives. This is the very reason for having faith in Jesus in the first place. That as we receive him, we would allow him to do his work. So we don't just believe that Jesus was born one day long ago and we talk about it every year and that's it. We believe that Jesus can be born within us today and the next day, and the next day, and that through that presence, through that influence, God can change us. Through God coming close, I believe that we can be better husbands, be better wives, better children, better parents, more generous, more gracious, more forgiving, more joyful, and gradually through repentance and faith and walking with Christ, we'll be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Maybe for some of you this morning, you're like, listen, I've been a Christian my whole life. I've never really seen any kind of transformation. 
I've not seen a lot of change. I don't understand why there's not been a lot of change. Maybe one of the best questions we could ask would be this, how much time do we spend with him? Do we allow him to influence us at all? The decisions that we make each and every day, where does that come from? Just our own minds or do we allow the presence of Christ to influence us? How often do you sit in his presence to know him, to be known by him? Like with any relationship, no matter what the relationship is, increased time equals increased influence. And for some of us this morning that have been walking with Jesus for a while, maybe, just maybe, to see the transformation take place, we need him to carve out some time to spend time with him. Here's the reason why. Because the truth of this season is at the end, God wants to do something in you today. And he wants to do something in you today because ultimately he wants to do something through you. He wants to be born within your life so that he can do something through you to transform the world around you. So no pressure. Being a follower of Jesus is a lot, about a lot more than just coming on a Sunday morning and looking nice. It's not just something that we talk about around the water cooler. It is something that transforms the way that we live so that God could use us to make a difference. The fact of the matter is that today, there is a world out there, outside these four walls, that is in desperate need of God's presence. There are countless in our community right now today who have become so cynical and jaded because of the circumstances that life has handed to them. There are people right now around our world, countless number, who are wondering how their most basic needs are gonna be met today. And there's a countless number probably in this room this morning who are wondering, wondering does God even hear my prayers, the things that I, that I lift to him at night in the morning? Does he hear the things that I pray? And this is the reason why it is so important that for those of us who have encountered the loving God, the presence of Christ, that we would live our way, life in such a way that we could be an example to others of God's love toward them. That if we let God do his work in our hearts, that it might just flow out of our life to influence those around us. That's what this season is really all about. So the book of 1 John, uh, most scholars believe, was written by a man named John who was a disciple who walked with Jesus, spent time with Jesus during his three years of ministry here on the earth. At the time that this book is authored, actually 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, more than likely John's probably older in age. Some believe that he was actually overseeing a number of house churches in a place called Ephesus as he writes this letter to them. And we're given clues within this, this letter to suggest that John is writing because of a conflict that's arisen within these churches. You see, some within these churches have decided to turn their back on Christ. They had a faith in Jesus, but they've walked out. They've decided they didn't want to follow anymore. And as they've left, they've stirred up all kinds of trouble within the church. And so John is writing about this. He's addressing this. There's people within the church who have stayed, but they're shaken by the, de the departure of some, causing them to ask questions like, what does all this really mean? I mean, is Jesus really trustworthy? Is Jesus who he said he was? Maybe Jesus, this whole thing is just a myth. And so they're shaken by it. And so the letter is meant to be a reassurance to those who have remained faithful. And it, it sheds light on why John writes what he writes in chapter four, verse 12. And here's what he says in 1 John chapter four, verse 12. He writes, no one has ever seen God. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, then God's love lives in us and it's made complete within us. He, this is such a beautiful thing that, Paul, that John writes here, and the reason I think he writes this is because 
He wants to identify with those that are in the early church in Ephesus. None of them had ever spent time with Jesus like John had. So as John writes this, he recognizes, listen, I know no one's ever seen God. And as folks are leaving the church in droves, and if they're done with this, I know it can be shaking to you, but you need to understand, even though no one's ever seen God, the way that we love one another can make God evident in our midst. The way we treat one another can make God evident within our midst. It can be the very thing that would cause us to say, yes, he is indeed who he says he is. And the work that God is doing in the world is indeed what he said it would be. Essentially, John contends that the followers of Jesus should show evidence in the way they speak, the way they act, the way they sacrifice, to show that God has indeed done a work within their lives, within their hearts. And as an outflow of that, it becomes tangible evidence of God all around them. See, I'll say it once and twice and many times this morning, God wants to do something within you today because he has a grand plan for the world that can be accomplished best when we allow him then to use us to do something through us, through generosity and love and grace and mercy. The world needs a group of Christians. The world needs a group of people like us who would actually live our faith out in practice, in visible, tangible ways, each and every day, and not just dress up on a Sunday to come in and play church but to live it out all throughout the week. Dr. Tony Evans tells a great story how one Christmas his wife came to him and said, listen, I need some boxes. I want them wrapped and decorated. I'm gonna put them on the front porch as decoration for the season. So there was eight boxes. They were all wrapped, wrapped perfectly. They were festive for the front porch and they put them outside the house. And Tony says those boxes sat there in front of the house and they were impeccably wrapped. They were topped with bows, but they were completely empty. And he had no concern whether a thief would come in the night and take any of these boxes off the front porch because if they did, these decorative pieces, they would get nothing because there was nothing inside. You see, a lot of us, I'm afraid, we're kind of similar. A lot of us, we are well-wrapped, like we look the part, we act the part, but in the end, there's nothing going on on the inside. We've not allowed Jesus to take over residence and to dwell within us for there to be anything of significance have happened. And unfortunately today, many people don't know what it's like to live out their faith in a way that truly loves others and makes God's presence known to others. We just wanna look well-wrapped. We wanna have the appearance of God's presence, but not the power of his presence living within us. See, true, authentic Christian living starts on the inside and then it's manifest on the outside. That's how this works. And so for some of us this morning, I just want you to know, Jesus is available to you. He's made himself available to you. And he wants to live within you. And he wants to transform you. He, want make, he wants to make you a better version of yourself. He wants to grow you into the person that he longs for you to be because it will have an outflow from your life and the way you treat and serve and love one another. I mean, do you realize that you may be the only Bible that someone ever reads? just their encounter with you? Do you realize you may be the only Jesus that some people ever meet just because of an encounter with you? It is of utmost importance that we live it out faithfully. One of the things I love most about serving in this church, and there are many things that I love, has been the overwhelming number of people who take all of this very, very seriously. You know, each and every week, I get a chance to have a vantage point of people who are living this out in our community in incredible ways. I don't know if you know, but there's a group of men at this church and churches surrounding this area who 
most Saturdays take time out of their schedule and they come together to build ramps for individuals who have mobility issues. They take, while we're watching football and eating snacks and so forth, I mean, they're here with hammers and nails, saws and trailers, and they're being the feet and the hands of Jesus in this community by serving people. Like John said, no one has ever seen God, but the way we love one another, his love is made complete in us. Did you know there are some individuals in this church who have gone through hours of training to become Stephen ministers? What that means is there are people in our church who come alongside others who are going through the hardest times of their lives, whatever that may be. But because of their sacrifice, the sacrifice of these men and women, these people don't have to walk through it alone. They walk through it with them because no one has ever seen God, but when we love one another, his love is made complete within us. I don't know if you know this, but uh, there are 10 volunteers who show up every week at Mount Horeb and they pack backpacks full of food for 450 children in our district so that they, we make sure that they are fed on the weekend when school's not in session. It's a big deal. No one has ever seen God, but when we love one another, his love is made complete in us and visible through us. Did you know our church donated 691 gifts? The student room was overflowing with gifts to serve 100 children in our community through our Christmas store this year. It was fantastic. And, and the generosity of our people is amazing. And we also packed 900 boxes for the Operation Christmas Child this year. We do it annually to send around the world to bless children everywhere. I could go on and on and on. It's actually laughable how many things I could point to in the way that this church loves people and serves people and demonstrates that what God has done within them, he's now doing through them. It is beautiful. And it's the whole point of faith in Christ. As Jeff pointed to earlier with our Advent offering this year, every year this Advent offering is meant to make a difference both locally and globally. And this year is no different. To be able to come alongside of churches to help them be able to do ministry sacrificially, faithfully, here and all around the world, to have a presence in Colombia and a presence around the world, it is beautiful what God is doing. And the only way it's possible is because there are people who have taken God really seriously at his word and said, Jesus, I invite you into my life to change me and transform me. And as you do something in me, I'm gonna allow you to do something through me. It's easy for us oftentimes to look around the world at different needs and struggles and say, man, somebody really ought to do something about that. Like in our community, certain things that are happening, man, somebody really should step up and do something about that. Or we look around the world and oftentimes we ask the question, like, where's God? Like, where's God in all of this? All of this, this hurt and pain and struggle, where's God in the midst of all of this? I think the better question we should be asking is this, if Jesus dwells and lives inside of you, the better question is, where are you? Where are you? Because we carry Christ with us wherever we go. And when we see a need, we can meet a need. And we can have Jesus there by, by him doing something in us and then through us because he lives and dwells inside of us. See, each of the gospels in the Bible have a kind of a different take or a different vantage point of the Christmas narrative, the Christmas story. And I love all of them. And many of them, we kind of think about it often when it comes to Christmas with the whole manger scene and all the things. My favorite though, actually is the book of John. And John doesn't have all of this other stuff. He doesn't have the crowded inn or the manger or the angels or anything like that. John tells this story from a more cosmic view, kind of a, a zoomed out view. And here's the way John describes Jesus's arrival on the earth. In John chapter one, verse four and five, he writes this. He says, in him, speaking about Jesus, in him was life, 
and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In a world that is full of darkness, when Jesus was born, and, and certainly today, when Jesus came, he was one that brought life. And I love the phrasing that John uses here. It was the light of life. Meaning, it's, it's life lived to its fullest. It's life lived the way it should be. It's life that is bright. The kind of bright and shiny that, that shines into the darkness to expel evil, expose evil, eliminate evil. The evil in the world literally cannot hold a candle to this when Jesus came and the hope in his presence. One of my favorite things every year at Christmas is to come home. You know, a lot of us staff and many volunteers at the church on Christmas Eve, it is a long day. And so by the time we're all finished up, I get home pretty late. And one of my favorite things is to come home. Usually everybody's in bed, ready for the next day. And I'll, I'll sit down in my living room, you know, take the shoes off finally and sit on my couch, turn all the lights off. And the only light on in the room is the Christmas tree. There's just something about it. I had, I had multiple people after the nine o'clock service like, me too. I know what that feels like to just sit there in a peace and a calm and just be reminded that all of the chaos <clears throat> that often swirls, all the things that are going on, all the worries, all the struggle, all the pain that we can point to, there's a moment that we can slow down and just focus on the fact that when, <laughs> get me choked up. When Jesus came, he was a light into a dark place. And to sit there with just the Christmas tree lights on, it just kind of feels warm in the room and just get this sense that this light of life is present to me today. You see, the light of Christ, it drives out darkness. It's the very reason that he came, to drive out evil, to defeat darkness. And that is what we celebrate each and every year. It's what is birthed within us. It's what he allows us to live out to those around us. What's interesting then is throughout the Gospels, this idea of light and darkness shows up all over the place. It's talked about often. And one of the places that there's kind of a second step to what John talks about is in the book of Matthew once again. And it, and it reveals that this light that originates with Christ doesn't originate with us. It comes from him. He, he's the one that starts it all. Sort of like taking a lighter like we did earlier and lighting these candles. The light on those candles doesn't originate with them. It originates with the lighter, but they receive it, they hold it, and it lights the room around them. So here's the way Matthew describes this idea of light and life. In Matthew chapter 5, then verse 14 through 16, he writes this. He says, you are the light of the world. Now he's quoting Jesus here. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl but instead they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So a bit of a plot twist here. We're told in other places, Jesus is the light of the world, but Matthew 5 says, you are the light of the world. That means you and me all of us, when we allow Christ to be born within our lives, we become little lights of the world as well. We're not the originators of the lights, but we manifest it within our life as we hold it and we receive it. We allow it to shine to those around us. I love the way the passage reads this. Nobody lights a lamp and just puts it under a bowl. The whole point of having a lamp lit is to put it in a stand in the room so the whole room gets to feel and experience its warmth. 
And for some of us today, you have a relationship with Jesus that is vibrant and real and it's bright, but too often we wanna keep that hidden. We don't want people to know about it for whatever reason. What would happen if during this Christmas season we made a point to make sure people knew what lives inside of us? What if we looked for opportunities to shine our light, to show that we are indeed someone who trusts in Jesus and he lives and dwells inside of us? And the result is very clear in Matthew 5. When we do this, others will see the light that exists within us, and then they, when they see our good deeds, they will turn and they will glorify our Father in heaven. That's it. What if we, just this room right here, could speak and act, serve and give and love in such a way that the people in our community and our families and our world would look at us and be like, whatever's inside of them, I want it inside of me too. Whatever light they have, I want it too. And they'll turn and glorify our Father in heaven. So, Jeff always says at Christmas time, you can't out-preach the event. And I heard it echoing through my head all week long. I mean, of the millions upon millions of sermons about the birth of Jesus Christ, I'm not gonna come up with something new that's gonna blow anybody's mind. So it's actually very simple. It's very simple. It's, it's living out good deeds, serving other people, being a light in the world. That's how the world changes. And it's offered to us the birth of Jesus. Let your light shine. One of my favorite moments on Christmas Eve and just in a week, we'll be celebrating together in this room doing this very thing. The very last service, the nine o'clock service, as we are kind of carrying ourselves through to the very end, the very end of the service, we come together. If you've been here for a Christmas Eve service and we sing together, what song? Silent Night. We sing it all together in this room. Grace Marie, of course, with her beautiful voice, sings it for us here in this room. And we stand at this candle right here and we light one candle and just that one candle doesn't make a whole lot of difference within the room, but that candle then lights another candle, which lights another candle and another candle. And slowly but surely, as wax is poured everywhere, these lights travel across the room. And there's something that is so beautiful at the very end as we sing Silent Night, as we close up the song, and everybody with candles lit, we raise our candles above our head as a form of witness, as, as a form of faith. And we recognize that what lives and dwells inside of us should be shared with the world. And it's beautiful. And I, every time I stand here at this stage and I watch people, there's like tears just pouring down our cheeks. Not because the song is so lovely. I mean, Grace Marie can sing, Let me, don't get me wrong. It's not about that. It's not about the candles being so beautiful. It's about, there's an experience here where we encounter God in such a powerful way. And he lights our life in such a powerful way and we in turn get to share it with one another. Because it's not just one candle, it's all of them together working in tandem. If we leave here today and three of us decided to live this faith out and look for opportunities to serve people around us and to meet their needs, that would be wonderful. But there's something that happens when we all join together to do it with one another and believe and trust that God can use us to make a difference within the world. So very simply, here it is. Is there a need that you know of around you, in your neighborhood, in your family, in this community, and it's a, meet, a need that you can meet, do it as a way of shining your light. Is there a family who could benefit from your generosity this week? Do it as a way of showing your light. 
Maybe there's someone you know who is lonely this holiday season who could use a friend. Be that friend as a way of showing your light. Maybe there's someone that you could contact by phone, a call, text, email, a letter to make amends. Reach out for forgiveness. That's how we let our light shine. When we all do it together, that's what changes the world. That's what we celebrate during Christmas. As we leave here today, back into the, the torrent of rain outside, I want to remind you and look for opportunities this week to fully embrace this Advent season by looking for ways to serve and love others because no one has ever seen God. But when we love one another, his love is made complete in us. Let's do it this week, church. And we'll come back together next weekend and we'll celebrate the birth of Christ together. Let's pray. God, first we say thank you. Thank you for sending your son. God, we don't believe that it's just some story that is fun to tell during Christmas time. We believe that it's true. And we don't believe that Jesus was just born one day long ago, but we believe that he can be born in our life right here and right now. So Father, as we receive you into our life, the light of life, may you enable us by your power, God, to shine our light to those around us. Help us to be incredibly generous, incredibly loving, incredibly kind. Help us to not just look the part, but to live the part, God, so that others might see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. So thank you, God, for this day and this opportunity to gather together. Even in weather like this, we are thankful. And we ask, God, that you would prepare our hearts to fully celebrate the birth of your son next weekend on Christmas Eve. God, we love you. We need you today. Would you do something in us so that you could do something through us? It's in your name that we pray, and together everyone said,